Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Muffet, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business. And we're friends like my friend, as you see here, Dr. Andy Harper. Hello, hello. We don't let friends feed kibble, do we, Andy? No, we do not. How come? It's inflammatory. It's junky. It'll decline their health status. No, no, no. You see that. Most people believe and repeat that they need all those vitamins and minerals that are in there to help their dog grow big and strong. Oh, those, those synthetic vitamins that are sprayed on that come from Mm -hmm. China that the body can't actually assimilate those. Yeah, yeah, those. Yeah, those. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get it. I don't get it. I really don't. Um, but we're going to just keep telling people, uh, the truth. You know, the other thing is too, people believe that if their dog is in some sort of compromised position, whether that be kidney disease, liver disease, whether that be itchy skin, whether that be bad poops, they need to cook their food, you know, like your favorite farmer's dog. (laughs) Not going to drop that. Are you? Well, I hear it all the time. Um, Oh no, I, I, yeah, it's not my favorite. Yeah. It drives me. Crazy, crazy. I know. They're marketing, and they're a part of. Their big, marketing is beautiful. They're and, a part of the big. They're owned by the big guys, are they? Oh, sure, I, they are. I haven't yeah. looked, but when yeah. marketing is that slick, I don't buy it. Yeah. Ever, ever from anybody. Well, I have, um, I have a, a sweet pet parent who was doing fresh pet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And now they're going to do our food, but their vet is saying, oh, you need to cook it because your dog has diabetes. And I, they actually Mm -hmm. told the pet parent that they saw a dog go septic, Dr. Andy on a raw. Do they have to lie? I don't know that they're lying. I just think they make shist up in their heads or they hear something and they just throw it out the sphincter. Or maybe the dog was septic, but it didn't have anything to do with the raw food. Yeah, that's what I think is probably more likely. Mm-hmm. More likely. Yeah. Well, listen, when we stopped talking last time, uh, we were going to talk about head this time. <laughs> and you quietly were like, what the? No. <laughs> we're talking about dog's heads. Dog's heads. Uh oh, yeah. We are going to talk about dogs' heads. You want to know what mm-hmm. some of the largest dogs' heads, dog dog heads, are out there? I well, mean, Ma- Mastiff has to be on there. But what do you got? What do you got? Well, yeah, we've got. Uh, let me go back to the the I, I I typed in the largest heads. Who has the largest heads? So yes, I mean, there's a lot of them, like your Bordeaux's. Kina Corsos, Great Danes, Pyrenees, the Irish Wolfhound, the Liam Burger, the Liam Burger, all the Mastiffs. Those two don't have big heads. I don't think. Well, not not compared when you're looking at a Neapolitan Mastiff or just a, you know, a Mastiff. Right. I think when I think big head, I think block, 
like blockiness, right? Well, I mean, would you put St. Bernard in that category? Yes. Yes. But a lot of that is just drool and jowls, man. Ooh. Yeah. The Tibetan <laughs> Mastiff is also, uh, it has a massive, massive yeah. head as well. All right. So let's talk about this. What's wrong with having a big head? <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of weight to carry around. Oh, man, it is. Yes. So dogs, when they're young and healthy and in general, carry about 60% of their weight up front, 40% in the rear. Um, As they age, old dogs shift more weight to the front. It can be, they become generally front-loaded. Some are dramatically front-loaded. Some it's just kind of a natural aging process in my book. But when you have, maybe we should weigh a, Carnicorso or, or or see how much more weights up front because that head weighs so much. I actually had a Mastiff. He was an English Mastiff. He was about 170 pounds. He was overweight. He had a lot of problems. He was seven ish at that point. And I didn't notice, but mom and dad pointed out that whenever he laid down or well, he mostly laid down, he was standing and then he would lay down. He kind of skipped the sitting part at that point. He would rest his head on anything. He'd rest it on my table. He would rest it on, you know, dad's knee. He would rest it on something because it was so heavy and so big to hold up. And we were struggling with neck pain. We were struggling with, you know, arthritis in the rear. I mean, he was, he was in rough shape. You can't cut their heads off. No. Right. But it does impact all of that musculature in the neck. And they could have chronic neck issues because of the head stuff that would have to be managed with chiropractic care just because the way they're built. Wow. You know, I was just, uh, as you were talking and and we're going to come back to the head though, but you know how much a 170 pound dog. Okay. So this is something that you and I talk about that you need to know the cost, right? Mm -hmm. You've got these dogs that have the big heads. They're going to have to have some chiropractic work. Um, but let's just talk about food for one second. A 170 pound dog eating a full raw diet is going to eat over a little over four pounds a day. That's going to come in at 120 pounds a month, roughly. And if you look at what is the typical cost of raw, you can figure at least five pounds, $5 a pound. Yeah. That's okay. what I tell my clients, five to $6 a pound. Yeah. So you guys, when you're thinking about getting a dog, we need to look at all of the different things that is required. Now, there are a lot of people, Dr. Andy, that don't do these things for their dogs. Maybe they're feeding kibble. They never see a chiropractor. Maybe this dog doesn't get outside of the backyard. That's a little bitty. That happens. We're not mm-hmm. saying that that is a great life for your dog, but that happens. Yep. Right. Yes. All right. So for a big head dog, this is why you were saying they're going to cost you a little more money, right? Because if you really want them to be healthy and you want them to feel well, then yeah. you need to do these, at least these two things. At least these two things, keep the inflammation down with the diet and chiropractic care. Cause like we talked about last time or whenever that was, um, I lose track, right? But- the the bully breeds or the dogs that are highly muscled um need more management more body work not less just because they're built like you know a a brick 
it actually, they actually require more care, uh, more attention to the body, not less. And like I said, that requires a few more visits to really make an impact into their nervous system. Cause the bones are stupid. They go where the muscles go. And when you're highly muscled up, you're, you, you require some more adjustments to make the same impact as let's say a German short haired pointer who is not heavily muscled. Um, and then let's go back up to the head really quick. It just hit me all right. These breeds that we're talking about generally get in trouble when they bite down on a person or another dog, right? It happens. And that jaw doesn't release, right? Wow. So we have all of those muscles of mastication, meaning all the muscles that do the chewing mastication is chewing those. I adjust on every single dog that comes in. Those are the first things I check are the muscles of mastication because they have so much proprioceptive information, which means where are they in space? So when those muscles are not firing properly, there can be really big problems with chewing. There could be problems in the cervical spine. There could be problems in the rear. It just depends on where it shows up in that dog. So when you have a big headed dog, a lot of muscle around that jaw, a lot of, you know, neck strength is required because of that head that all has to be managed on a regular basis. In my what, opinion, what happens if they don't manage that? Just real quick. I mean, I think you kind of touched on it, but then they get back problems. They get knee problems. They get hip problems. Yes, you mostly see it in the rear. What do you just, see? What would you see? It's just completely weak. And it, when I'm looking at a dog, and and that back end's just going along for the ride, um, it's because everything's gone forward. the The innervation into the rear is not getting there like it should. Very simple terms. Um, because of the dysfunction, the subluxation, the chiropractic subluxation, possibly in the jaw or the neck, upper cervical, because when upper cervical, so we have seven cervicals, dogs have seven cervicals. Most mammals have seven cervicals. I think a sloth and something else does not. That also means giraffes have seven cervicals. Wow. They're just massive. Um, yeah. Isn't that cool? It's just cool. That is so cool. next time you play trivia pursuit, you know that. That's right. Um, <laughs> Upper cervical is the atlas and axis. The atlas um, articulates with the occiput, which is the base of the skull. So when I say upper cervical, we're talking C1, C2. And then the rest are lower cervicals. But those two up there, when those are involved in rotation, there's been maybe they, you know, a head-on collision with another dog playing at the dog park or something, and those get jammed. You can see ataxia and weakness in the rear. So ataxia is that stumbling that you see when you're drunk. Um, when you, stumbling that you see when your dog is walking, it's called ataxia. They are ataxic. Um, and that's usually cerebellar is involved, which is part of your brainstem. Um, that's what gets affected when you drink alcohol. And that's why you're there stumbling. Oh, and there you go. Huh? There you go. Dogs need- are not drinking alcohol generally. <laughs> Hope not. Hope not. Right. But if that cerebellar gets involved, that upper cervical innervation gets involved because there's inflammation, because there's a chiropractic subluxation, you can see weakness in the rear. And unfortunately, a lot of our vets get distracted. Our general veterinarians get distracted by this rear. That's not walking like it should working like it should. And they, 
they generally don't do much of anything, but send you off to the neurologist. And I'm hoping the neurologist can also would make that connection of the upper cervical. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't just kind of depends on what's going on, but you will hear a lot, especially about bulldogs, English bulldogs, probably Frenchies. Oh, they, you know, them and their knees and their bad hips. Well, they end up injuring the rear because it's so weak because of this front end stuff. All right. Got one more thing. What do bulldogs generally have in the jaw? That underbite, right? Mm-hmm. That wackadoodle underbite, right? Those bottom teeth are protruding. Sometimes the mouth doesn't even close all the way. You know, it's endearing and it also contributes to a weak back end. Well, and is that from breeding? I mean, obviously, were they were they that way in the beginning <laughs> or was that bred to them where they had, you know, them? I don't know about the bite. The bites probably always been mediocre. And then maybe they thought it was a really cuter look to have that. I don't know. I, I I've never researched that per se, but um, your boxers will have that, right? Your bulldogs, mm-hmm. your shih tzus. They right. don't have a big head, but they generally have that underbite. And have you seen a Shih Tzu walk? Their knees sometimes almost go backwards. Like they are so weak and in the rear, it actually has more to do with their bite up front. Now, can chiropractic change a bite? No, um, not at least. Hey, I've, I've adjusted puppies. Maybe we changed it. Maybe we didn't, but those bones were not, they were not done growing. So, Hey, there's always a chance. And I have worked on bites when they're younger, right. but when they're older, the, everything is, you know, done growing. So we're not changing that, but it has to be managed. If we can manage the neurology, work on keeping everything moving, like it should the neurological pathways functioning, like they should, you're going to have a better chance of that back end, not injuring itself because when it's weak and when that neurology is not there, if they're running and they step in a little hole, that information is not as fast getting there to protect a joint. And so they injure themselves. It was funny when I was, I was looking at the big headed dogs and uh, I came across a couple of, you know, chiropractic sites. And I, I, I always hate this when they say you must you must get a referral from your mm-hmm. veterinarian to go to a mm-hmm. chiropractor. And I'm thinking, yes. how do you get a referral from somebody that doesn't really even understand chiropractic? A lot how of do times you, do that? you don't. A lot of times you don't. Now, we we are in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And I am very lucky to be in Colorado because I do not need a vet referral. So that vet referral is dependent on the state laws. Are you serious? So mm-hmm. are you, so most states, yes. you have to get a referral to go to yes. a chiropractor? Yes. As far as I know, it is Colorado and Oklahoma are the only ones that we are considered um, primary. Like they can just come in and see me. And I have to take um, classes veterinary classes to stay up on diseases that I need to notify people about if I notice them. I don't know all the vet stuff. I really don't. Um, and like, I like to tell people I'm like, um, yeah, I don't know all the vet stuff, but I know what's chiropractic and what's not. And there are some times where I'm like, "Mm, this is not the place for you. And honestly, 
most pet parents start at the vet anyway. They really do for stuff and they get checked out and then they end up here for the most part. Um, and that's fine, but no, I functioned for many years in my practice trying to get vet referrals. It was such a pain for everybody involved. It was a pain for me. It was a pain for the veterinarian pain for the pet parents. Um, sometimes they were flat out refused. You know, I don't understand this, Dr. Andy, why we put the, um, uh, onus or the authority, the authority. I don't understand why we put that in certain people's hands that know nothing about which mm-hmm. they speak. Yes. yes. It, it actually drives me bonkers. I had a client that I've seen her Labrador's probably for the past 18 years. Like I know this woman, she goes for chiropractic care. I went to her wedding, like we're good. Right. 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 And we adjusted the lab and the lab's still struggling. And the, st- the lab's a little special anyway. She, she has a lot of health stuff and just not a real strong constitution. And she went to ortho. Okay. Get checked out. Great. Oh, this ligament's a little strained and then, you know, very specific and very serious about what was going on. And you know what, let's get laser on board. Let's get, she was already on meds and let's get massage and let's get this and let's get this, but don't go to the chiropractor. And I'm like, I don't know. I go, okay. I don't do what an orthopedic veterinarian does. I don't do what a neurologist does, but I do do this. And I do this for 20 years. So maybe you should ask the chiropractor if I want to see the dog for chiropractic adjustment. You ask the neurologist when they need surgery. Um, She ended up not bringing her in. Um, Probably could have gotten her so much better by now, but she she deterred. And it's just frustrating to me because this is what I know. So all that that needed to go, I don't know that much about chiropractic talk to your chiropractor. You've been with her this many years. Is she comfortable seeing the dog? See, this, this is, this should be an eye opener here. If you're going to go to vet school, it does seem like you would study nutrition. You would study about the body and how it's all lined up. What it appears and what I hear and what I see over and over, it's basically uh, they do the surgery work. Here's how you take a mm-hmm. leg off. You do exploratory surgery. You open it up. You sew things back. But primarily, here's the disease. Here's the pill. Yep. Yep. Right? And yes. this is so crazy to me because there's so much more that mm-hmm. can be done in a healthier way, like chiropractic work like getting your dog on a raw diet. I don't believe that that industry will ever come to our side unless the big pet foods somehow take over what we do and bastardize it just like they do with, you know, the farmer's dog, right? Mm-hmm. I had right. someone contact me the other day and they said, well, I got off raw and I went over to farmer's dog for about a year um, and, uh, she said it was not a good experience. My dog ended up with a UTI, you know, didn't lose any weight, uh, wasn't that much cheaper. It, I think it was more expensive. I think actually. it's more honestly. Yeah. And so she said, I'm, I'm coming back. So I think they're, you know, 
hopefully at least that will move people away from kibble. I know they feel better by cooking it. Don't get that. Right. But I don't get it either. But at least it's not kibble. I hate that saying. And I say it, but at least it's not kibble. But right. mm. But you're still losing so much nutrition. The only really bonus is there's at least some moisture in there. And so you're not dehydrating the system so dramatically like you do a kibble. But other than that, it's still resprayed with synthetic vitamins. Or if you're cooking, some of the things people are cooking, I'm like, how long have you been doing that? Because there's, you're not the electrolytes, minerals, vitamins. Um, you're missing, you're missing a lot of that boat. Um, and so we, you know, gotta work through that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'd add some phytoplankton in there for, you know, something that's mm-hmm. what I would do. You know, there's a lot of these vitamin mixes out there that are just total crap, uh, total crap. Um, if they're cheap and they've got a lot of inactive ingredients, you guys, you need to dump they're it. They're not even cheap. When right. there's a, like a paragraph of ingredients. That's after the whole, all the vitamins that are listed. Um, And if they're listed out, they're generally synthetic folks. And I take some, I mean, you just have to be aware of that. I mean, that's a whole nother show that I don't think I'm actually qualified to talk about much, but when there's a whole paragraph underneath that with this natural flavor, that natural flavor, this gum, that, this, 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 I'm like, those fillers probably make up most of that container and it's junk. And then you don't know how much that is irritating your pet when you have that many ingredients going in. Correct. If you end up with a a problem, diarrhea, vomiting, whatever. Yeah. Itching. Which is what we see all the time. Itchy, Mm -hmm. itchy, all that jazz. So the, the, the moral to this podcast is you got a big headed dog. You got a big headed dog. You probably got a big dog. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number one, um, you know, one of the things that they've done in the uh, longevity study of, of how long big dogs should live. Mm-hmm. And they're using Great Danes in this longevity study. They're saying, look, they should live into their mid-teens. The problem is because they're big dogs, they tend to get cheaper food. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it. Yeah. And that's a lot one, of it. Yeah. So they're yeah. like, you know what? That dog is getting a lot of bad food mm-hmm. um, and it's contributing to a short life. And then we just run with this narrative. Oh, well, bigger dogs don't live longer. And they're saying that's a bunch of sphincter crap. Okay. okay. Big dogs should live longer, but because they're big, they cost more. They're, they're not, you know, uh, and, and it costs more even in chiropractic, uh, you know, because you're having to do more work. I have to do more work. I, I expend a lot of energy. They, they generally don't get on my table. I'm crawling around the floor because I can't make a 120 pound dog do anything they don't want to do. You know, it, I cost more, everything costs more with them. Uh, maybe they don't even get to the vet or or to the chiropractor or to anything as often as they should, because it costs so much. So, yeah. I have one customer, Dr. Andy, and they feed 10 pounds a day. They Mm -hmm. have large dogs. They feed 10 pounds a day. Now 
I know one of your customers. She used to have three Great Danes. She has two. She was, I'm sure she was up there. Yeah. Eating I mean, that much. You know, and, and you have to honor these folks uh, because they are doing what's best for the dog, but they are more expensive. And so we hope that you guys will take a look at that and really understand what's going on. I mean, I, I bet, I mean, certainly didn't come to the forefront of my mind that big headed dogs need more chiropractic work. And you've explained that beautifully because it puts so much strain on them. Mm-hmm. I always think about the deer. It, Sean, you know, your husband's a, a hunter and yeah. with the big, with those big old antlers. Oh yeah. Or, or right. Elk. And I'm thinking it's gotta be, it's gotta weigh a ton, doesn't it? Yeah. They must feel like they, when they, when they shed those, I know, they when they fall like, off, oh, they're like, Oh, thank God. Run free. <laughs> I have to carry that thing around in my head. You gotta wonder sometimes why animals are created the mm-hmm. way that they're created. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, just, just a last question for you here. Um, what is, uh, I mean, in, when you are, you, I wanted to go back to this one thing when you're adjusting this thing in their jaws, Mm -hmm. is there anything that a pet parent could do like massage their face more? Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel let, you know, they, their muscles are actually very similar to ours. So yeah, when you get in there and kind of rub in there and grab along the jaw. Absolutely. Any kind of touch massage, um, purposeful touch, you know, beyond the little pat on the head for the petting, it changes the blood flow to the area. It's going to change the information in the area. It's great. Any kind of that. Um, but don't shy away from, I think people shy away from the head and the upper cervicals and they like to rub the shoulders and they like to rub the butt, which, you know, that's awesome. Um, but go up that neck, you know, see if they'll, um, let you rub the top of their head kind of deeply and the jaws and get underneath and, and feel around in there. Cause when the animal is like, oh, that's great. And then there's a day where they're like, don't touch me there. Ah, you now have information about something's going on. So the more you do stretches, the more you touch your animal in a purposeful fashion, and things change means something is going on. And you are now, you have information and nobody knows your pet more better than you do. And I noticed in your last email that you're, you're really helping people understand this like fit pause or like these Mm -hmm. exercises. And I would assume that's because that helps that back end helps level Mm -hmm. out. um, Yeah. We keep that back end muscled up. We keep the proprioception where they are in space. A lot of dogs have no idea they have an ass end. They really don't. Some actually like agility dogs have to be trained to jump properly and actually engage that rear. And when you go to classes, they, they do that. I don't know how to do that, but they don't always know they have a rear end. Um, and so the longer we can keep that connected, cause it's a long neurological pathway from the brain all the way down to the butt. Right. Mm-hmm. And we see it in people. It's a long way from our brain, all the way down to our feet. We've seen seniors that can't pick up their feet, right? They're shuffling. That's neurological. They have lost their proprioception where they are in space. And so you have to work on that all the time. And part of these exercises, this fitness is also keeping the abs strong. Mm. 
We want core strength, right? Just like we talk about in us. Core strength, where is that rear? Um, just the confidence to get on things. My dogs will get on anything. They'll get on the little carts at Home Depot. They're standing mm-hmm. on the little shelf over there just because it was there. And and that's confidence. That's I can do things like that. I, I don't mind different textures on my feet. All of that is different neurological information that keeps that brain active, that keeps those neurological pathways functioning at optimal levels. And so, yes, if they, I'm so thrilled about the exercises and the fitness, like, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. It's been amazing. Um, if you lose that, are you saying that you can no longer get it back when you lose that <sighs> ability to it's, move the feet? That's a really good question. Um, nerves do regenerate. The brain does regenerate, but it's so slow that do you ever make really good gains once it's gone? Hmm. It, it's a question of the times. So we don't want to lose it. That's we what don't we don't want to do. It. So no. you got to use it, but you got to use it right too, Dr. Mm-hmm. You got to use it right. And that's one thing that I think that you can offer our listeners. You can do a consult with Dr. Andy. You can go over to her site. It's animalmagiccare.com. You're going to start a membership group. Uh, looks like I saw mm-hmm. something about yep. that. So that's yep. cool. We're working on that. I'm hoping to dedicate all August to get that going. Cause I want somewhere, a safe space for everybody to come and talk about all these things because my clients, your clients, they get bombarded with, don't do that. That's dangerous. Don't do that. Oh, you have to do it this way. And I think more people would feed rot, chiropractic, look at vaccines, change their heartworm protocol, whatever, if they had support with other people that were doing the same thing. Yeah. So they could say, Hey, look, my dog was feeling like this. And here is the change, the positive change in my dog. Yeah, you're right. People get bombarded with stuff all the time. And I'm like, where'd you hear that? And Mm -hmm. again, as we push on every podcast, the, the best thing that our pet parents can do is ask questions, right? Yes. Why? Why is it like that? Where'd you get that information? How is that? Give me the, Mm -hmm. give me the scientific stuff. So Mm -hmm. get over to animalmagiccare.com. Dr. Andy can help you um, keep your dogs, your big heads, keep your big headed dogs in good shape. Remember, raw feeding is important. What you put in the body is so important. So get over to rawdogfoodandco.com. Fill out that I'm confused. There's a button on the contact page. I'm overwhelmed. Just fill that out. We'll get back to you and we'll make it real simple for you. Okay. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where your pet's health is our business. And we're friends like my friend, Dr. Andy and I don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you next week, Dr. Andy. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.